Man, you guys are amazing. You can have a seat. Pastors Aaron and Erica, thank you so much. I think he likes to tell that story because it makes me look bad because I was in the wrong session. But um, see, I think he just wanted to get my number because he was church planning and trying to raise money. But um, whatever it is, I'm glad that God crossed our paths. Uh, I'm, it's appropriate that I'd be talking about gratitude today because I'm so grateful for your pastors, and I'm so grateful for you. You might not realize this, but as pastors Eric, Erica and Aaron said that, uh, I know them so well, I just got it confused. But uh, as they said, we just moved into a brand new building, and it's incredible what God has done, but you have a part in that. Yeah. You really do. Uh, some of the most generous people I know, and because of your generosity, you've invested into what we've done. You helped us get in there. And so whether you realize it or not, you've already got seed in the ground for when your buildings come and do. And I'm so excited for what God is doing in this church. I hope you know that this is not normal. Like this church is in the top less than 1% of churches in America. It's not normal that churches would be this mature and this healthy three years in. But God is doing something incredible here. And if you love your pastors, would you just put your hands together for them? I'm so grateful for them. I want to tell you, sometimes you don't realize what you have and Pastor Aaron, he is absolutely one of my best friends, but he's also so well-respected just outside of church. I know you love him because he cares about you. He's approachable, but outside of this church, people seek him out. I know he's one of the first people I call when I have a question. I've been doing this 10 years, but the gift of wisdom that God has put in him, the leadership that God's put in him, and it's not just me. It's from all over. So you really are blessed with some incredible leaders and incredible pastors and I'm glad to count you as a friend and honored to be here today. And I've, I've got a goal to be like the most invited back guest. So I hope that even if you don't like it, just tell him that you love me and that you want him to have me back. But uh, I'm glad to be with you and excited to, to wrap up this series, this little two-week series called Thinks Living. Uh, I believe it's one of the most important things we can look at in, in order of unlocking God's best in your life to understand gratitude. And I want to look at a passage of scripture today that really helps me keep my perspective right when life gets crazy. How many of you know we just entered into a crazy season? Like Black Friday, the, the world goes crazy after Black. Anybody Black Friday shop in here? I'm just curious. You guys are redeemed people. Like, no, can we just pray for these people right here? <laughs> it takes a special person to go Black Friday shopping, but um, it's, it's crazy season. Our schedules get filled up. There's demands, there, you know, there, there's parties we have to attend, there's, there's gifts we want to buy, feel obligated to buy, there's all these activities, at least where I'm from, the weather changes, that's a whole other thing to deal with, and all, all these things going on, and sometimes it can take the joy out of the season with ev everything that our life fills up with, and gratitude is a key to keep things in perspective, and this scripture we're going to look at today helps me keep things in perspective. It's found in Luke chapter 17, if you brought your Bibles with you, oh, I hear some pages turning. I can tell this is a Bible church. That's great. Anybody bring their Bible with them today? It's always good to, to bring, you can wave a few people. It just show me you got your Bible. All right, we'll put the words on the screen. I always encourage you to bring your Bible to church because, like, I could make this stuff up. You wouldn't know. You just have to take my word for it. But, um, but I'm not. This is actually in the Bible. But you might want to write it down. Just, you know, I better check. He did say something. Maybe he's trying to throw us off. Just look it up for yourself. Luke chapter 17 I'm going to start in verse 11, uh, read eight verses, story about Jesus 
where he does this incredible miracle, heals some lepers. It says, now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was entering a village, 10 men with leprosy met him and they stood at a distance, raised their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. It's kind of crazy because you think like he's going to work a miracle or say be healed, but he just says, no, go and show yourselves to the priests. But as they went along, they were cleansed. Well, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell with his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, he was a Samaritan. Many of the other ones were Jews. Then Jesus said, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to the man, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's one of my favorite passages on the subject of gratitude. Because within this passage... Luke gives us some, some incredible handles to keep gratitude as a priority in our life. I don't know about you, like, I find it hard sometimes to keep gratitude at the forefront of my life, but Luke, he helps us, and I want to, there's lots of things I could say in here, but I want to try and boil it down to, to three things. Three things that we see where this guy is so overcome with gratitude that he falls to the ground. Have you ever done that? I mean, I feel like there's been times where I've been so grateful, but this guy, he falls to the ground and expresses things. So I want to give you today what I'm calling the, the ground rules of gratitude. If you're taking notes, that's the title of my message, the ground rules of gratitude. And it's always my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. I know I always need God's help when I get up here, and I have a hunch that you might need God's help too. So would you just bow your head with me, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word changes lives. God, I ask you would use me, speak through me. Nobody needs to hear my thoughts or opinions, but God, we all need your perspective. So God, give us your perspective today. Let us hear from you. I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. amen. I'm glad to have my wife with me here, my beautiful wife. She came and glad to have her. And uh, I, uh, I, I've got four children. I, I've got a picture I want to show you because it kind of ties in with what I want to talk to you about. Four children, uh, my oldest, 15, 10, 9, and 5. I know those are weird names, but that's just what we decided to go with. Um, but uh, beautiful family, and yet I, I, I notice it's, it's hard sometimes being a parent. Any, any parents in the room? They, they say children are a blessing. I'm taking that by faith <laughs> because most of the time it feels like a burden feels like, I've just learned, like, I can take a lot of the blessings of God and approach them with an ungrateful heart. It's amazing to me, and I'm talking about children, but I mean, maybe for you, it could be a lot of different things, like, you know, maybe for you, it's, it's marriage. They say marriage is a blessing. Sometimes it feels like, feels like a burden. Not, not your marriage, I'm just saying marriages in general can feel, feel that way. It could be a number of different things. I, I, I bring it up my family because I'm amazed at how easy it is for me to take a blessing of God and approach it with ingratitude. I, I took my family out to eat the other night, and 
dinner time at our house is just kind of chaotic. Like, you saw my, my kids up there, and, you know, like, there, there's one of them that we're just, tr- like, trying to get to talk, you know, like, be interactive at the dinner table. There, there's another one that we're trying to keep from, like, flinging food at his brother. There's another one just trying to keep, like, from making a mess, and one of them, like, we're praying, we'll eat something, and it's chaos at our house, so we figured, like, what better way to celebrate than to take the chaos to somebody else, you know, going out to eat so other people can experience it. And whenever I'm out, it's like, it's amazing to me how quickly I can approach it with ingratitude. Like, I'll get frustrated because of what's going on, and, and here I am in a restaurant. Somebody else is preparing food for me, bringing it to me. I'm blessed with the family. I've got money to pay for it, and I'm here getting frustrated. I don't know if you're like me, but I think all of us have these moments where we can turn blessings into burdens, we can approach the blessings of God with ingratitude. Maybe it's the time that you prayed for financial increase and you didn't realize that by praying for financial increase, it meant that you were gonna be working more hours and have more business. And you're like, God, I didn't know if this is what I actually meant when I said financial increase. Maybe for you, it's, you know, you were praying for a spouse and you met somebody and you got married because you thought they were crazy beautiful and after you got married, you realized they were just crazy. And uh, you know, it, could be, it, it could be, you know, you're, you're a student or a kid here, and you've got parents who love you, parents that want the best for you, parents that, that help you and encourage you, but the moment they put some boundaries in your life that you don't agree with, you begin to resent them, begin to become ungrateful for the parents that you do have. I, I don't know what it is for you, but I found all of us at different times in our life can take the blessings of God and approach them with ingratitude. And Luke gives us a great perspective on how to stay grateful, how to keep that from happening, how to practice gratitude in our lives. And I gotta set up the story for you a little bit because if you don't understand what's going on, you might just think, well, what's the big deal? I mean, Jesus healed lots of people. I don't understand you know, what was so important about this one guy getting healed. I mean, obviously the other guys didn't think it was that big a deal. They didn't come back. But leprosy... It, you may have heard of it before. In this culture, Jews, they would have looked at leprosy not just like any other disease, not just like a sickness. For, for the Jews, they would have looked at leprosy as almost receiving the mark of God's displeasure. Like, you sinned, you did something wrong to get this, and because you have, like, God is displeased with you. So, so, so take the, the spiritual shaming with it. On top of that, we think of it as a skin disease, but it really wasn't a skin disease, it, it was a nerve disease what would happen is your, your nerves would, would, would deaden. You wouldn't have feeling in it. So when you get a cut or you get an infection, it begins to fester. You can't feel the pain. And so you, lots of times they would, they would lose some of their appendages, fingers, nose, ears, toes. begin to lose these things because they can't, can't feel. Starts on the inside, but it shows up on the outside. The worst part, though, was that you couldn't get close to anyone. Whenever somebody would get close to you, you'd have to say, stay away. I'm unclean. So there was this spiritual shame. There was this physical problem, but there was emotional pain. Can you imagine that? You could not have close relationships. You could not be close to your family. Some of you just came out of Thanksgiving. You're like, I don't, that doesn't sound so bad to me. But... To be excommunicated from your family would be a sentence to poverty, would be sentenced to suffering. 
So there was the, the spiritual shaming, this physical problem, this emotional pain. But the crazy thing was is that leprosy didn't kill you, but it didn't go away either. So you would just kind of exist in this state of never really improving, but slowly decaying because you lost your ability to feel. I don't know we're talking about a disease, but I can't help but wonder if there's a connotation and connection and correlation to our spiritual state sometimes, where the reason we keep people at a distance is because of something on the inside, where the reason we stay away, we might come to church but never really connect, we come to church but never really feel, we've lost our ability to feel, and Luke's going to give us something to help us with that today. It's not just their condition I want to talk to you about, though. It's not just the condition, it's the context, you got to understand. Because so I'm one of those guys that believes that the way the Bible illustrates something, communicates something, it's all intentional. Like, I, I believe every period, every comma, every punctuation mark, it's intentional. The, the, the way it tells the story is just as important as the details of the story. And I, I got to set that up because before we get this great lesson on gratitude, it's interesting to me what happens before that. What happens first? Jesus, he's, he goes to this place. He's, he goes in the borderlands, it says. It says that he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, which is interesting because he was going to Jerusalem, but he went out of his way because God will go out of his way to reach you somehow. He goes out of his way to teach this lesson on gratitude to help these lepers but before that ever happens, he first confronts his disciples on some wrong expectations. He, he confronts them about an attitude of entitlement. I want you to see what it says. These are the two verses right before that I read to you in Luke 17, 9 and 10. He's talking to his disciples, teaching them a lesson. He says, does the servant get special thanks for doing what's expected of him? It's the same with you. When you've done everything expected of you, be matter of fact and say, the work is done what we were told to do, we did. So Jesus is making this very clear principle that the way we're supposed to approach our life is like a servant. And I, I know, like most of us understand, like there's this principle, but we kind of resist that, that part. Like, we want to hear what Jesus has to say, but don't talk about serving with us because it, it, it's, not, it, it's not pleasant. But the reason Jesus was able to talk about it is because he modeled it for us. Paul wrote this about Jesus in Philippians chapter two. He says, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything. He was equal with God, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be held onto. He gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He was born as a man and became like a servant. So we get, okay, we should be like Jesus. We should love like Jesus. We should pray like Jesus. We should have faith like Jesus, multiply loaves and fishes like Jesus. We should be like Jesus, I get it. Until we get to serving like Jesus. Most of us don't want to serve like Jesus. Because most of us, you know, we, we've got our preferences. We, we, we've got our priorities. We've got our rights. I'm glad we got rights. I'm glad we live in America where we have rights. I'm glad we have servicemen and women who fight for our rights. I believe in rights. And I know sometimes people get their, their rights trampled on. I think the church should... Just stand up for, for that. Stand up for injustices. But the, the, there's nothing wrong with having rights. I'm not against rights. But what I've learned is that you can't be grateful 
for something you feel entitled to. You can't be grateful for something you feel entitled. In fact, gratitude begins when entitlement ends. Let me put it a different way. It's the first thing you need to understand. The ground rule for gratitude. Gratitude starts when entitlement stops. If you really want to practice gratitude in your life, you have to have a low sense of entitlement. It's a different lens to look at the way we operate in life because most of us, the way we operate in life is, you know, we, we want to push ahead. We want to force things through. We want to control situations. We want to protect things, manipulate things. But Jesus says, no, you're a servant. When you do what's expected of you, you should just understand that's what you're supposed to do. And what we see in this text is that gratitude isn't based on how good my situation is. Gratitude is based on how good my situation seems to me. Because all of these lepers, there were 10 of them, all of them got the same healing. One of them saw it differently. They all had the same situation. They all experienced the same cleansing. Only one of them came back. That tells me that your situation doesn't have to improve for your gratitude to increase. Sometimes you think, well, you know, I'd be more grateful if I had more to be grateful for. But you don't have to have an improved situation to express more gratitude. In fact, to really get good at gratitude, you've got to be good at seeing things that other people miss. See, I want you to understand that gratitude is not a side effect of your circumstance. It really needs to be the search engine to your situation. It needs to be the lens at which you look through. Bring this up because, like, you know, I know that this is a church that's online shops. Obviously, there's only one person that went Black Friday shopping. This is an online shopping church. Have you noticed, like, when you're we're online shopping, you go, like, to search for something? And uh, you might, like, search for, for one thing. Like, you might search for socks with toes. You ever seen those? I don't understand why they sell those things, but, but may, anybody wear those? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. But you search for that. You will see that pop up on your screen at every web page for the rest of your life if you search for that one time. Is that just me? I've never searched for that, by the way. But is that just me? You search one time, and then you get ads for that everywhere. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You will see what you search for. And if you want a reason to be grateful, you can find a reason to be grateful. You, you don't need a better situation to express more gratitude. At the same token, same time, if you want to find a reason, nobody likes me, nobody appreciates me, I don't have enough, my situation's not good. If you want to find a reason to be ungrateful, you'll find a reason to be ungrateful because you'll see whatever you search for. What's interesting to me is how one person came back. We don't know why the other people didn't come back, but we do know why this one guy did. In fact, it tells us. It says, when he saw that he was healed, he was looking for it. He was looking for it. Now, like I said, Scripture doesn't say why the others didn't come back, but I will give you my theory, and I think it's sound. It's because they were waiting for somebody else to validate what had already happened. 
says, as they went, they were cleansed. They were supposed to go show themselves to the priest. In this culture, the priest was the only one that could verify that somebody was healed. It's like if you go to the doctor, it's like, yeah, I think I'm sick. Well, you got to go to the doctor. He's going to tell you what the, what, what's wrong with you. Well, they had to go to the priest. He was going to rule, are you, are you clean or unclean? But I don't want to wait for somebody else to validate my situation before I express gratitude. I don't want to wait for somebody else to affirm me before I'm grateful for what God has done. I don't want to wait for somebody else to tell me I'm blessed before I just go to God and say, Lord, thank you for your blessing on my life. And so many times what happens is we're waiting for somebody else to validate what God has already done until we feel more grateful. Here's the second thing you got to know. is that gratitude isn't a feeling. It's not just a feeling. In fact, I would tell you gratitude is a function, not a feeling. It's a function, not a feeling. What do I mean by that? There is no such thing as silent gratitude. Sometimes we hear that. Hey, let's just take a moment of silence to have some gratitude. There's no such thing as silent gratitude. If you feel grateful, gratitude always shows up and speaks up. You either got to show it or say it. And I know some people are like, yeah, I, I get it, but that, you don't know me. Like, that's not, that's not really me. Like, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of laid back. I'm kind of reserved. I'm not all that expressive. I'm not all that emotional. I understand. Different people have different personalities. But all of us, if you're really grateful, you find a way to show it. You find a way to express it. Scripture says this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you really have gratitude in your heart, it's going to find a way out of your mouth. So what we really need is to practice it more. Gratitude practice. Because like, there's this idea, it's like, well, we need to have an attitude of gratitude. Well, I get the sentiment, but I can have an attitude of fitness doesn't mean I'm going to go to the gym. I can have a fitness attitude. It's like, you know, I've, I like the idea of eating healthy. You know, the principles of self-discipline and working out and all, like, those principles align well with my philosophies about life and other things. But just because I have a fitness attitude doesn't mean I have a fitness habit. And so the question isn't, do you have a grateful heart? The question is, do you have grateful habits? When, when you're thankful for someone, do you tell them? When you're thankful for something, do you say something? Do you show it? Do you write a note? Do, do you give them a gift? Do, do you find a way to express the gratitude that's in your heart? I told you I have this tendency, this propensity to be ungrateful for the good things that God has put in my life. So I thought, man, I don't just want to, I don't want to live this way. I, I know I need to get some practice. So I started this discipline about five years ago. And uh, still a work in process, but it's been a game changer for me. And I'm not a, a journaler. Write, you know, I have to write a sermon every week. So writing just feels like work. It's not like pleasure. But I, start, I, I got this five-year journal. 
It's got like five years on one page. So there's only like, you know, two or three lines, so I figured I can do that. So I started writing things now, and I've been doing it for five years now. I've got this whole book filled up. And what I, what I noticed is, you know, I'm just, obviously not every day is good. Not every day is, is pleasant. There's hard days. There's better days. But every day, I get to choose how I want to remember it. Am I going to choose to focus on all the things that went wrong? Or in the span of my day, I'm going to focus on this is what I want to remember about today. Man, it, it taught me that I have a lot to be grateful for. Just this practice of I'm going to be grateful for the goodness of God because gratitude always shows up and speaks up. It's a function, not a feeling. You even see it in verses 15 and 16. This guy was so grateful. He came back with a loud voice, began to praise God, and fell at his feet. I want that kind of gratitude. You might say, well, well how do we do that? I mean, I've, I'm struggling to express this. I see a key in this text I want to show you. This was helpful for me. Because Jesus said in verse 18, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? I thought it was interesting. At two different points, it says, hey, this guy was a Samaritan, and Jesus points out, this guy's a foreigner. I mean, he's different than the rest. You know, when something's foreign to us, it's unfamiliar. That's often what we say. This is unfamiliar territory. To really get good at gratitude, you have to stop taking things for granted. Many times we're, we're ungrateful because we've become too familiar. This is why your kids never say thank you at the dinner table, because they always eat, right? They, they just, food is expected. Well, many times we, we don't express gratitude because something's become familiar to us. That's why I so appreciate that this is a house of honor. That, that, that means you don't treat something as common. You don't treat it just as normal. You don't treat it just as usual. You're, you're gonna celebrate the distinctive difference about a thing. You have honorable pastors, and that, that's what honor helps cultivate gratitude. It's saying I'm not gonna treat as common the good gifts that God has given me. So I wanna be intentional about expressing my gratitude, and here's why, it's the final point. Because gratitude is an, isn't an obligation, it's an opportunity. Gratitude isn't an obligation, it, it's an opportunity. It, it's not something that's enforced. It's essential, but it's not enforced. I'm glad for that, and I see in this text because <laughs> it's funny to me if one comes back and Jesus says, hey, where are the other nine? Your faith has made you well. And he's, but he says, we're not all 10 cleansed. It would have been a really sad story if Jesus said, well, I was testing all of you. Those nine are in for a surprise when they go see the priest because they're going to lose that cleansing. But, but you get to keep it. No, I didn't say that. He said, we're not all 10 cleansed? Meaning they all got it. They, they were all healed. They all got the blessing. So gratitude, it's not an obligation, but it is an opportunity. Most of us approach it like an obligation, though. I, I hear it in our language. I hear it in the way we talk. It's like, man, I really need to write those thank you notes. Man, I, re I, I, have to, I really should get that person a gift because of all they've done. It's obligation. 
fact, there's two ditches that we typically fall into when it comes to avoiding gratitude. It's either greed, I deserve this, entitlement, or it's guilt, I should, I have to. Greed says, I deserve this. Guilt says, I don't deserve this. I got to pay it back. Gratitude says, thank you. Gratitude says, thank you. So understand, gratitude, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. And there's probably 10 different things I could point out to you, that, the opportunities that gratitude brings. I'd give you one for every leper. But I'm just going to give you one, this final one. And it's right in this, it's this last verse where Jesus says, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to the man, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now this kind of stood out to me because why is he making it a point to tell this guy, your faith has made you well, you've come back. I thought he was already healed. I thought all 10 got healed. So I started, when I see things like this in scripture, I started to, investigate. It's interesting in scripture where it says we're not all 10 cleansed. That word cleansed is this Greek word katharizo. It means to make clean, to make free from defilement, to heal. Where it says your faith has made you well, it's a different word. It's the word sozo. That's where we get our, the word salvation from, the same word. It means healing, of course, but also means wholeness. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I thought it was interesting that all nine got cleansed. All 10 got cleansed, got healed from the disease. All 10 got healed. Only one was made whole. See, gratitude's not an obligation, it's an opportunity. There are some blessings that only come through gratitude. There are some things God will do in your life only when you say thank you. There are some doors that only open with a grateful heart, with grateful actions.